Oh, what a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful prayer. Thank you, Carla, Marcelo, and Ken. Ken, for arranging that, that powerful, powerful prayer. One of my favorites. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. Let's pray. And then we go. Oh, God, that's our prayer. Beautifully rendered by these three musicians, your, your disciples, your children. Be our vision. 2020 is the year, and 2020 is the vision we long for. Grant it to us. Teach us how. In these few moments we have together with you now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Speaking of vision, I suppose it's safe to say that everybody in this space, I'm just guessing, I don't know what the age is, but I'm just guessing probably from 10 and on up, has stood before one of those ubiquitous eye charts in a doctor's office somewhere. Have you done that? You know what I'm talking about? Come on, let's, let's see it on the screen. Bring, bring back good memories. There it is. It's called the Stellan chart. You've seen it. Stellan chart. And you know the drill. The nurse comes and she says to you, now, now listen, listen, sir, just put your feet on the, uh, that, that line. That's not hard to do. Okay. She said, now I want you to put a left hand over your left eye. Oh, I can do that. All right, now. Look at the wall, the chart. Now, look, when you get to that point, if you say what wall, it's pretty much over. You just say, well, <laughs> give me those glasses. <laughs> she says, okay, wise guy, tell me what's the top letter. And I'm telling you the truth. I've seen a lot of these charts. The top letter is always E. I don't know why that is. It's always E. So when you go in, if you don't remember another thing, just remember the first line is E. And just say E. You got it. It'll be E. They said, keep the hand, keep the hand on your left, left eye. Okay, now tell me what's line two. And I went and wrote them down. Line two, FP. Oh, what's, what's line three? T-O-Z. Mm-hmm. How about line four? L-P-E-D. I'm telling you, they're all on Google. Just memorize the chart before you go to the doctor's office. You're going to be fine. But if you get down to the eighth line... If you get down to the eighth line, this is one you got to memorize because this is the 2020 line. D-E-F-P-O-T-E-C. You'll learn that. That means you have 2020. What does 2020 mean? Well, I didn't know either. I did a little bit of investigating this, this week. Jet fighter pilots, you got to have 2020 minimum. So you can be a jet fighter pilot. You got 2020. 2020 means you standing 20 feet away, see that sign. And others standing 20 feet away also saw the same sign and saw it the same way. Just means you're average. That's all it means. Now, you can, you can, you can have a, a, a 2040 vision. And that's when the test subject sees at 20 feet what a person with normal vision sees at 40 feet. In other words, your vision is half worse than the normal vision, 2040. You don't want 2040. But you can pass any driver's ice license eye test in all 50 states with 2040. Yeah. You can have 2080. That means you, you're able to read an alarm clock at 10 feet. By the way, that's a good way to get up in the morning. Put the alarm clock 10 feet away, and when you turn it off, you're up. Or you could have 2200. Oh, you don't want 2200. You're legally blind with 2200, but you're able to see the STOP on the stop sign when you drive by. 2020. Yeah, you drove by, so you didn't see it. You didn't see it. You caught that. Or I just caught it. 
Uh, isn't that something? Here we are at the year of our Lord, 2020. And there's not a one of us here that isn't in desperate need for 2020 vision. My, oh, my. The year has come. This is your year. This is my year. And guess what? Two things. Two realities. Number one, God is very big on 2020. And he has a perfect prayer for 2020 vision in 2020. Open your Bible with me, please, to the middle of your Bible. Psalm 119. So that's the middle of the Bible, the longest chapter in the entire Bible, Psalm 119. Let's drop down to verse 18. This is the perfect prayer for 2020 vision. Psalm 119, I'm in the NIV. Verse 18, open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law. Oh, wow. Open my, isn't that, isn't that beautiful? Does that strike you as a beautiful prayer? Open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your Torah, because it's in the Hebrew. It, that, that would be your law, your word, in your book. Open my eyes. I want to see what I've never seen before. I want to be able to see what you see, God. Would you be able to grant me that kind of vision where I can see what you see? Open my eyes that I may see. Robert Alter, the, the uh, Hebrew specialist, in his magnum opus, it's a four-volume. He just came out with this one calendar year ago. In his magnum opus, the translation, one-man translation and commentary on the Hebrew Bible. Somebody graciously, anonymously gave it to me. In his translation... Put this on the screen for you. Here's how, here's how he renders Psalm 119, verse uh, 18. Unveil my eyes, O God. Uh, I like that. Unveil my eyes that I may look upon the wonders of your teaching. God, God, God. Something is veiling my sight. Something is obscuring my vision. Take it away. Whatever it is, take it away. I have to see you clearly. Now, he makes a, a comment on this one line. Put his comment on the screen. Throughout the psalm... 119, the speaker not only affirms his adherence to God's teaching, but prays for the capacity to understand it. I want to know what this book is saying. I, I can't, I need help. Open my eyes that I may see. Something's obscuring my understanding. It's keeping me from seeing clearly what it is that you're trying to tell me. Unveil my eyes. Open my eyes. I have to know your will this new year. I have to know your will. Open my eyes that I might see. Wow. In fact, there's an old hymn. We sang it in first service. Open my eyes that I may see glimpses of truth thou hast for me. You remember that one? Yeah. You're a boomer. You grew up with that. But the, 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 um, the modern version is, the modern version is, Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Isn't it? Open the eyes of my heart. I want to what? I want to see you. I want to see you. Beautiful, beautiful prayer. Perfect prayer for the new year. Here's the good news. The opening of our eyes is a very big deal to God. And I'm going to show you that. Just boom, boom, boom. Big deal to him. Watch this. In the beginning, it was a big deal. You, girl, look up here. I'm talking to you. It's the serpent. He's got Eve's attention now. And notice what he says to Eve. Let's put it on the screen. Genesis 3, 5. What does the serpent say? You know what, girl? God's afraid that if you eat 
this fruit, it will open your eyes and you will be like God. And so guess what? She ate the fruit, little knowing even Adam, that the fruit of disobedience is eyes blinded, not eyes opened. It worked in the reverse. But of course, that was the lie. Gotcha. Gotcha. So this eye-opening business, God, God's in the business of opening eyes. So this is a little later in the book of Genesis, and we got this, this, this fugitive on the lamb, young handmaiden from Egypt. She's wandering now in the wilderness with her little boy Ishmael. They're going to die of thirst because there is no water. God comes along. Look at God. Watch this. Genesis 21, 19. Then God opened Hagar's eyes, and she saw a life-saving well of water. I'm telling you what, God loves to answer the prayer, open my eyes. He's in the business of opening his eyes. He's doing it all the time. He did it that time when that, that obstinate, incalcitrant prophet is flailing. He's going to beat this beast to death. What were you thinking? You just, you just crushed my leg on that wall. Didn't you see the wall, you blind beast? And the beast says to him, why are you beating me? What's really comical about this is he actually answers the beast. He's so mad because look what you just did. That's why. Oops. Who's the donkey? (laughs) And then all of a sudden, watch this. Numbers 22, verse 31. Then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes and he saw the angel of the Lord. That's the the pre-incarnate Christ himself standing right there. Take another step, buddy. You're dead meat. He now sees what the donkey's been seeing. God loves, God loves to open eyes. He does it, he does it for a living. I mean, the boy comes walking in there. I'm guessing he's a teenager. He could be in his early 20s. I don't know, the young man. He's hyperventilating when he steps into the prophet's bedroom. (sighs) Oh, we're doomed, we're doomed, we're doomed. We're surrounded, prophet, you got to come and see. And I love this about Elisha. But Eric uh, Friedrichsen calls uh, non-anxious presence. The prophet gets up. All right, all right, all right. I'll, I'll, I'll come, I'll come. So the boy gets the prophet out. He said, look, the enemy is surrounding us. Non-anxious presence. The prophet says, let me pray a prayer to Jesus right now. Let's put it on the screen. What are the first three words of this prayer? Oh, say it out loud with me. Open his eyes, Lord, so that... He may see. Open her eyes, Lord. She's, she's actually praying the prayer right now. Open her eyes so that she may see. He's in the business. He loves opening eyes. Oh, man. So I suppose nobody's surprised that when you get into the heart of the Old Testament and God starts promising about the coming Messiah that God would actually link this to the Messiah's mission on earth. Watch this. Isaiah 42, verses 6 and 7. On the screen, God speaking to the Messiah. I will make you a light for the Gentiles to do what? Let's read this one out loud. To open the eyes that are blind. That's the Messiah's, that, was a, that was to be the Messiah's mission. No wonder. In fact, you're probably going to challenge me right now. 
Correct me if I'm wrong. I'm quite sure that in this case, I'm not. But some of you are immediately say, okay, give me the challenge. Okay, so here's the challenge. Have you noticed, has it ever occurred to you? It seems, doesn't it, that Jesus dealt more with blindness than any other human ailment. Oh, yeah, he healed a few lepers. I know those stories. So do you. He cast out some demons. I know those stories. You know them too. He healed a few crippled. Yes, yes, I remember those stories. He even raised three people back to life. But more than all of those, you check the record out, he's healing blind people. I wonder why he concentrated on the blind ailment. You remember some of these blind stories? Sure you do. Blind Bartimaeus. Our youth pastor, Pastor Lindsay, just a few weeks ago, did a beautiful job with this. Bartimaeus. Jesus coming out of Jericho. By the way, Matthew tells a story later than Mark. And Matthew says, by the way, guys, I know Mark said just, you thought it was only Bartimaeus. I'm telling you, I was there. There were two blind men. It's very interesting when you compare the responses. Because Jesus asks, in, in both accounts, Jesus asks, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want? And Bartimaeus answers, Bartimaeus is is almost a direct quote of Psalm 119, verse 18. Open my eyes that I may see. Direct quote. The two blind men in, in Matthew, they cry out, that our eyes may be opened. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. God loves that prayer. That's what Jesus did more than any other miracle. He opened eyes. You know, it makes you wonder. Do you suppose Jesus focused on our physical ailment of blindness because what we really have a problem with is our spiritual ailment of blindness? And maybe that's the point he's wanting us to get. I'm looking at your eyes now. They're trying to stay open. But uh, (laughs) I'm looking at your eyes right now. I'm wondering if you can really see out of those. Yeah. So Jesus comes along and he does a blind man in John chapter 9. You remember that? Spits on the ground. <laughs> makes this yucky concoction. And then he <laughs> all over the closed eyelids of a man who was born blind. This young man, I'm imagining. Never seen in his lifetime. And Jesus says, yo, go to the, the pool of Siloam, please. And wash this off. That's all I'm telling you. <laughs> man, go. Can, can, can you point me in the direction of Siloam? Where, where's Siloam? Help me, help me, please. I got to get to Siloam right away. He gets to the water. He washes it off. And guess what? This man who has never seen a lick of light his whole life can see everything in 20-20 vision. (laughs) Can you imagine the joy that was in his heart? I know the joy that was in his heart. Because I saw YouTube about three or four weeks ago. I don't know how I stumbled into this YouTube. Maybe you sent it to me. I don't know. But it's of a kid. True story. You can go online. Not now. Every time I say you can go online, people go, okay, sure. Give me that. Give, what's that side again? No, forget it. You can check it out for yourself. It, it, you'll start crying. There's this kid who bo- was born colorblind. No, really. Some of you have seen it. He was born colorblind. And people were nodding in first service. I say, wow, man, there are a lot of YouTube watches in first service. So he's born colorblind. They've, they've invented glasses. True story that enable colorblind people to see color. Unbelievable. So the teacher, who is also colorblind in that classroom, 
<laughs> this is a happy day for him. And he can hardly wait for that kid to get here. And, and the parents has kind of sneaked in. And, and so in front of everybody, the teacher presents these glasses to the boy that's colorblind. And he kind of was a little nervous, like, why am I putting these on in front of everybody? But he puts them on, and then this smile just goes from ear to ear. <laughs> you can tell he's seeing color. And all of a sudden, he starts crying. He just starts crying. So I start crying because that's the cue. <laughs> I'm so touched by this. And the teacher comes over with tears in his eyes and he just leans over to that old boy and he just holds him. And I'm saying, does it get any better than this? I can't imagine that guy who's never seen a lick of light in his life coming back saying, wow, 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 wow. Well, unfortunately, every party has a pooper. That's why we invited you. There was, a, there was a party pooper there. They're called Pharisees. God bless them. And they went, ap- they went postal. They went postal. I mean, of, of all the audacity of this guy who's the creator of the universe, this guy on the Sabbath day, the you know, Seventh-day Sabbath, the honor of the creation, why did he do this? So enraged, the Pharisees cross-examined this, this now-healed former blind man. And when he keeps... Touche and right back, right back, right back. They finally excommunicate him. Yeah. He goes to church, which is a good thing to do when you've been cut off. He goes to church and he bumps into a man he's never seen in his life. But when the man speaks, it's the one voice he will never forget for the rest of his life. And he is down on his knees before Jesus, worshiping his healer. And then Jesus says these clue words. Here comes the clue now. John 9, 39 on the screen. Notice what Jesus says. For judgment, I have come into this world so that the blind will see and those who see will become blind. Oh boy, which is worse, to be born blind or to become blind? Now there's a thought question for you. Which would you rather be, born blind or become blind? Oh, this is bad. Jesus says you can, you can become blind. <sighs> Do you suppose Jesus focused most of his miracles on the blind, wanting to make sure that we got it, that it's not just about a physical ailment, it's about a spiritual brokenness, a darkness that has crept over your heart. Some of you are doing something in your life that you absolutely know right now God does not want you to do. I never told you that. Nobody else told you that. But you have a conscience, and that conscience is saying to you, this is wrong. This is really wrong. What are you thinking, girl, boy? That's why you're blind. That's why you need the healer. You can't heal yourself of blindness. It won't work. Uh Uh-uh. In fact, Jesus wrote a letter once, the last love letter in all of Scripture. He wrote it to a church called Laodicea. He says, I'm talking to you. I love you. I love you. But you are, you are pitiful, wretched, poor, naked, and blind. Spiritual blindness is a big deal. And we all suffer. 
That's why he keeps going after the physical so that we get the spiritual. Open my eyes, Lord, that I may see. Unveil me. Something's blocking my vision. Jesus says, you know exactly what's blocking your vision. You want that vision? Unblock. You, girl, you get rid of that. Boy, you quit doing that. Unblock my vision. Unveil my eyes that I may see you. I may see you. We were worried this past summer. True story. That Karen might be losing her sight. Didn't talk to you about it. But we were concerned. She had gone for a routine cataract surgery on her second eye. It had gone well with the first one, and we were sure it would be ditto for the other eye. But afterwards, something was wrong. Her sight was not returning as it should be this time. It became more difficult for her to see. Out of focus and kind of darkness here and there. And, oh, my. So we... They, they, they sent her to a retinologist. That's a specialist on the retina, as you can guess. And they said, well, there's something going on with this retina. So the surgeon goes in for the retina. Bandaged up. I mean, when you come out of those surgeries, you bandaged up like this. And 24 hours, and then you take this off. And we went through all of that. But when she took it off, it was worse. There was blood seeping into the eyeball, and it was now affecting everything. She was seeing it. Oh, the surgeon says, well, this does happen sometimes. We've got to go back in again. And by this point, I'm telling you the truth, we're praying for sight. We, we are saying, God, plain and simple, just sight, please, for Karen. Just sight. Just give her sight. Don't take it away. She went in for the third surgery. Took the bandage off later. And guess what? Sight was healed. Hallelujah. Praise God. Jesus told, Jesus experienced a story with another blind man where it did not take three surgeries, but it took three touches. And we're going to end with this, okay? Three touches. I want you to check this out. Most unusual. Scholars are kind of scratching their heads and saying, well, this is very, this is strange. <laughs> took three touches. So open your Bible. Last passage here. Uh, Mark chapter 8. Find the Gospel of Mark, chapter 8, and let's begin the story in verse 22. And so they came to Bethsaida, and some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. Okay, hit the pause button right there. I have a book in my library. I've had it for years. It's written by a man named uh, Kevin Miller. Uh, The title of the book is The Second Touch. The title is based on this story, okay? Now... I respect the author, but I I humbly beg to differ with him. I think he missed a third touch that's there. And it's the third touch that makes a difference. Let's go. So now we pick it up in verse 23. So they brought the blind man to him, and Jesus took the blind man by the hand. There is touch number one. If you're keeping track of the touches, there is touch number one. And they led him outside the village when, oh, here it comes again, he had spit on the man's eyes and put his hands on him. Jesus asked, do you see anything? The man looked up and said, yo, I I see people, but they look like trees walking around. Now, I tell you, many a sermon has been written stopping right there. And the moral is clear. We can become so self-preoccupied, so, so focused on ourselves that we lose focus to everybody around us. And that's a wonderful point, I'm sure. It's not the right point today. 
There still is a third touch. Here comes a third touch. Once more. Isn't that amazing? Once more, Jesus put his hands, number three, on the man's eyes, and then his eyes were opened, his sight was restored, and he saw everything. He saw everything clearly. I can see clearly now. The rain is gone. Remember those words? I can see all obstacles in my way. Gone are the dark clouds that had me blind. It's going to be a bright, bright, sunshiny day. That's what he said. I can see. It's like the boy. I can see. Yeah. Wow. Truth is, oh, you help me out. If he had run away after the second touch, how, 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 how good would his vision be? No, he'd still be, he's, oh, it's all, the world's out of focus. He had to stick around for the third touch. You and I can run off. Yo, Jesus, nice to see you. Got to go. We're running off with only the second touch, and we've totally missed the realization. It's the third touch that makes the difference. How many of us, while we're wolfing down breakfast, are grabbing a, 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 a little devotional thought we found it in an app or whatever? So that's my worship today. Are you serious? Yeah. Oh, no, I'm, I'm going to class and we got, we got the, the buds in and we're listening to a religious podcast on the way to class or on the way to work. Well, that's my, that's my worship today. You got to be kidding me. We sit down with a little devotional book. Next day, got it done. See ya. The point of the third touch is you have to linger in the presence of the healer. Does that make sense? You have to linger. I have people say all the time, okay, Dwight, so how much time should I spend with Jesus every day? I have no idea. I know that if you're a college kid and you come stumbling in here and you say, you know, Pastor, my life is just burned out right now spiritually. I don't know what's going on with my life. You got any counsel? Yeah, I do. For you, 15 minutes a day. 15 minutes a day. What I know is five minutes won't cut it. If that's your worship in 2019, I got good news for you. You're ready for a change. You've been running out after two touches, and it's the third touch that makes a difference. It's the third touch. You got to linger in his presence. Some of you got an email. A bunch of you got an email from me on New Year's Eve. Hope you've read it by now. And in that email is a, is a little announcement. Our new theme for the new year is going to be love on the move. And in preparation for the big launch, which will be next week, in preparation for that, let's all of us as a congregation read the little book Steps to Christ Through in 13 weeks. That would be one chapter a week. What's so hard about that? It's just a few, few paragraphs a day. Let's do that together. And at the bottom of the email, it said, click on here. Boom, it took you to the homepage of our website. There it is, sitting there for everybody to access. And brand new electronic copy of Steps to Christ. We call it our Love on the Move edition. And a reading guide, Love on the Move edition. You'll hear all about this next week. But the Steps to Christ part starts now. Because it wouldn't be something if we were a congregation that spent the first 13 weeks of 2020 alone with Jesus every day. Week. Just a few sentences every morning from Steps to Christ. Karen and I have already begun. 
You say, who's this Jesus in Steps to Christ? I mean, is he kind of like, who? are you kidding? Let me show you. This is just from the first chapter that we're reading for this first week. You can go into the next week because the week's kind of off balance with January 1 coming when it did. Let me put some words on the screen for you. This is Steps to Christ. From the first chapter, the enemy of good did what to the minds of men? What's that word there? He blinded. Ladies and gentlemen, that's what's happened to us. We have been blinded by the enemy of all good. Come on, just admit it. Don't try to say, no, I'm not blind. No, we've been blinded. How did he do it? Keep reading. So that they looked upon God with fear. They're not seeing clearly. Why why are you afraid of God? They thought of him as severe and unforgiving. It was to remove this dark shadow. That's the language of blindness. It was to remove this dark shadow by revealing to the world the infinite love of God that Jesus came to live among men and women. Love and mercy and compassion were revealed in every act of Jesus' life. This is so beautiful. I tell you what. His heart went out in tender sympathy to the children of humanity. He took our nature that he might reach our wants. The poor poorest and humblest are not afraid to approach him. Even little children were attracted to him. They loved to climb upon his knees. Oh, this is beautiful. They loved to climb upon his knees and gaze into the, his pensive face, benignant. That means, bene- we don't even use that word. It means benevolent with love, end quote. That's the Jesus. That's your healer. That's the Jesus you meet every morning. Take just a few sentences, a few paragraphs in every chapter, every day. In 13 weeks, we'll all be done together. But we will have been with Jesus every day. Isn't that beautiful? Listen, you're saying, Dwight, I I didn't get an email. I'm not even a member of your church. Okay. Let me put it on the screen. Those of you watching online, those of you sitting right here, put it on the screen. Here's our homepage, pmchurch.org. Go to pmchurch.org, and there you see it very attractive right on that uh, colorful homepage, Steps to Christ New Year Reading Plan. You click on that, bingo. You're going to have the e-version of Steps to Christ, and you're going to have the reading guide. I got it right here because I printed it off for Karen and me. You're going to have this reading guide, and it'll take you every day through the, through the uh, journey. Oh, my. Praise God. Open my eyes, oh God, that I may see necessitates being alone with a healer every morning. Oh, God, open my eyes that I may see the wonderful things in your word. Choose one, choose one of the Gospels. Read a story a day about Jesus along with whatever you read in those, that paragraph from Steps to Christ. Every day, open my eyes. Lord, open my eyes. I want to see you. I want to see you. 2020 vision for 2020. You got to pray the 2020 prayer and you'll have the vision.